This episode is brought to you by Goalie. Did you know the University of Michigan did a study that found over 80% of apps for kids are designed to lure them into longer gameplay and more in-app purchases? Goalie decided it was time for this to end. Unlike the Kindle and iPad that have endless ads and potentially dangerous content, Goalie is a tablet with only apps that build independent kids. It has no web browser, no social media, and no ads, ever. It has award-winning learning apps like Khan Academy, Duolingo ABC, and Starfall, and the best part? is completely parent-controlled. In my house, we use Goalie's kids' calendar to teach my son how to stay on task. He learns life skills, like how to make a sandwich, by watching one of the hundreds of video classes and can practice it by following along with one of the 50 pre-made routines. As a dad, there's no better feeling than knowing that my son is becoming more independent every day. For more information and to try Goalie risk-free for 30 days, visit getgoalie.com. That's G-E-T-G-O-A-L-L-Y.com and use the code THEAUTISMDAD to save 10%. Welcome to the Autism Dad Podcast. I'm Rob Gorski. As a single dad to three amazing autistic kids, I've been the go-to resource for parents across the globe navigating neurodivergence since 2010. Building on the success of my award-winning blog, The Autism Dad, this podcast provides parents raising autistic or neurodivergent kids with comfort, community, resources, support, and validation. You'll also hear inspiring stories from parents just like you, reminding you that you're not alone. So don't miss out. New episodes drop every Monday and Wednesday. Subscribe on your favorite podcast listening app and visit theautismdad.com for more information. On this week's episode of the Autism Dad podcast, I sat down and talked to my friend, Carrie Cariello. Uh, Carrie is an autism mom. She's got a massive following on Facebook, so a lot of you probably already know who she is. And uh, we sat down and had a conversation about what her her journey as a mom has been and what it's like to raise her autistic son. Her son's name is Jack. He's an awesome guy. And, you know, we talk about what Jack's journey has been like, uh, what some of the transitional things have been like for them, because he's at that age where he's, you know, transitioning into his uh, adult life and uh, they're trying to prepare him for that. And he's doing some amazing things. And I think it's really important that we talk about this because a lot of times we focus on kids and not so much the older side of things when we're transitioning into adulthood and, and trying to figure that whole thing out. So Carrie does a fantastic job of sharing their, her insights and her experience. And I learned a lot uh, from this conversation and I hope you guys will as well. So thank you all so much for taking the time to tune in and uh, I hope you enjoy the interview. Thank you so much for taking the time to be here today. I really appreciate it. You have been on my uh, podcast guest list for a while and mm -hmm we finally got this worked out and I, and you're here and that's amazing. Uh, I really appreciate your time. Could you take a minute and kind of introduce yourself and then let's just like talk about what your journey has been. Oh, of course. Well, first of all, it's been, it's great to, to meet you virtually, Rob, you, our universes have been sort of colliding for some time now and, and it's an honor to be here. Um, my name is Carrie Cariello. I'm married to a man named Joe and we have five kids. Um, our second son, Jack, is diagnosed with autism. And Jack right now is 19 years old. He's in a residential space, uh, very supported, and has ju we just learned uh, two weeks ago that he was accepted as a matriculated student in a college nearby. Wow. Very, very big news in our world. Congratulations. Um, thank you. Thank you. Yes, he's quite proud of himself. And he left for this this program last July. So it's coming up on a year wow. and that he's been there has a lot of scaffolding and support mm -hmm. academic teams, life coaches. He took some classes as a non-matriculated student and for the uninitiated, basically that means it's not, you're not working towards a degree at that point and you have not been formally admitted to the college. Um, the goal for my husband and I was never a degree. Uh, we thought let's get Jack a college experience, much like his older brother. Let's get him a taste of independence in what we felt was a safe bubble mm -hmm. and, and let's play around some classes. And it turns out he really enjoys the classes and he's, he gets, you know, C pluses and B minuses and which is perfectly adequate for us. Mm -hmm. And, um, and we're just excited for this next step. And he's happy. He's very happy, Rob, to the point where we, we are shocked at how quickly in some ways, not always, but that he was, he separated from us, right? So he's one of yeah. five. My kids are all about a year apart. 
we raised them like a little bundle of puppies. They all went <laughs> everywhere the same way. They did everything yeah. at the same time. And, uh, and my oldest went to college a year before Jack. And okay. um, I'm working on a book right now. And I just finished that piece that I think some ways my oldest, Joseph, leaving, planted a seed for Jack. Like, this is what happens after high school. Oh, okay. We leave. Yeah. We leave. He was very enamored with Joey's dorm and, um, you know, what's a roommate like? And, oh, you can go get food at the dining hall. And, like, it kind of opened up his eyes to this whole world. Up until that point, we really weren't sure what the next step would look like. So um, he's very, very happy. Now, Jack doesn't drive. Um, I'm not sure if he'll ever drive. And he's in a little city now that, hey, he just bopped out and got himself an ice cream cone, you know, an hour ago, he texted me. So he has a lot of freedom and and he is greatly enjoying that. I love your text messages, by the way, because <laughs> you, you share them sometimes. And it reminds me of my oldest Gavin, <laughs> because yeah. I, you know, like he he just he's 23 and he just started day services this year, which is a, a big thing for him. He's had a lot of health issues that sort of limited what he was able to do outside of the home for a long time, especially because of COVID. But uh, he got his, he just got hired for his first job. I got the call today that he's scheduling for orientation, I think next week or the week after. And, you know, we have these really kind of, I don't know, they're kind of fun text messages back and forth. Cause I just want him like when he's leaving in the morning, cause I'm usually at the gym in the morning and he leaves after I'm gone. And I'm like, just text me. Let me know that you're gone, you know, just so that we can kind of get into the habit of that. And then I don't worry. Right. His parents yep. worry. And he'll just he'll text me these weird messages sometimes. And it just <laughs> kind of makes me laugh. But it's like his it's kind of become like our thing. And every time mm -hmm. I every time I see your guys's uh, text exchanges, it makes me smile because I think about my text message exchanges with with Gavin. So it's a it's kind of a cool little parallel mm -hmm. there. Now, does Gavin drive? Gavin does not drive. Okay. Uh, I'm always curious about that. And I don't, yeah, I don't know. Like his therapist was always like, there's, that's just not, not a good idea for him. I, I, I have learned never to underestimate him. You know, he, he has, and that's such an interesting question. Cause there's, that's, that's a good topic to take on at some point driving. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, he has been told his entire life that he's never going to do something or he's not going to do this or he's not going to do this. He'll never be able to do that. And he has literally overcome almost every obstacle that mm -hmm. we were told he would never do. And and so driving scares me just thinking about it, to be completely honest with you, uh, yeah. because he can kind of not pay attention. You know what I mean? Like he just sort of whatever. But I think it's possible. And if anybody's going to do it, I think he's going to do it. So like, I'm open to it if that's something that he wants to explore, but I don't know how you, I don't know who decides whether it's okay or not, if that makes sense, like safety wise, because safety is a huge concern when it comes to that. Well, we live in New Hampshire and I know there's a place near us that you, you um, make an appointment and they put them in a simulator. And it's supposed to simulate the driving experience. It's oh, not okay. only used for people with a diagnosis. It's used for people coming off of a head injury, um, people, sort of the elderly yeah. you know, on the cusp of no longer being uh, able to drive safely. And we had that set up before COVID. We were going to put Jack into the simulator and then COVID hit. And um, it would have been a great cut and dry. Like, yes, his reflexes are good. No, his sense of awareness is not good. Right. Yeah. Since then, my you sound like my husband, like I think he can do it on his own time. So Joe did take him out driving in a parking lot, a, maybe a, a little over a year ago, and it really didn't go well. And I think I think Joe still holds that hope that, OK, maybe in three years we'll try again. Yeah. So Gavin's your oldest. Yeah. Do you have anybody driving yet? Uh, no. Elliot just turned 17. He, he'll be he'll be good. Uh, but he just has no immediate interest in driving like he graduated gavin is the most gavin is more cognitively impacted and so he he struggles especially like in emotional situations right elliot and emmett emmett turns 15 on the 26th so next next week next week six days from mm, now yeah next week i know 15 Jeez. 
And Elliot is is uh, just turned 17. He just graduated high school as a junior, uh, which was crazy. It was only his second year being mainstreamed wow. in high school. And it's kind of like what I mean. Like, I, I, I learned, I, f- I feel like, and it was for all the right reasons, but I feel like I spent too much time parenting their diagnosis and not mm-hmm. enough time parenting them. Uh, because I was, I was overprotective and, and my kids have been through a lot and, you know, I'm, I'm on my own. So like, I don't have, like, I have my, my, my parents are amazing supports. My ex-in-laws are amazing supports, but it's, that's it. That's what I have. And, and my Mm. siblings. Um, but you know, like I had to live with every decision that I made and I was always just trying to make the right decision at the right time with the resources and bandwidth. And like, it's, it's so hard to navigate some of these things, but I, I would be, you know, like with Gavin, I'd be open to him looking at driving if he were interested in maybe doing that simulator thing. I never even, I didn't realize that was a thing, but that makes total sense. Yeah. I, I would imagine I, I'm not positive where you're located, but I would imagine they're across the country. Yeah. Well, it, it, that's you I mean, you would have to have something like that because, you know, maybe you have somebody who has seizures or, uh, you know, other, you know, coming off of a head injury, like you said, like just to put them in a simulated environment that's safe to kind of mm-hmm. gauge whether there's any point in moving forward with like in-person, you know, or, or real life situations. So that's, that's a really good idea. I hadn't thought about that. Because I have to share, I have two other drivers, my oldest drives, and then my 17 year old Charlie drives. Mm-hmm. It is so nerve wracking to have your neurotypicals out there on the road. I saw your post. It, it is, you know, you're always waiting for them. You don't want to overparent them. You know, they love their newfound freedom. They've yep. all of a sudden got a million places to be that they never had before. And right now, my daughter at this very moment, Rob, is driving with her driver's ed here, here in New Hampshire. We do driver's ed. Yeah. And she's out with her teacher right now. So that sort of shed some light on like, how much could I, could I trust Jack out on the roads And his, it's like a double-edged sword because his desires are so simple. Mm-hmm. He just wants to drive down to the store at night after dinner and get his favorite ice cream. He doesn't dream for huge lofty goals. Yeah. And, and I wanted him, you know, I wish that for him, but that's what makes his setup where he is just that much more perfect is that he does have that ability to make his own decisions. That's, that's so cool. Cause my, I never thought I would have an empty nest, right? So it's, it's mm-hmm. me and my three kids has been this way forever. And when we were on COVID lockdown and Gavin is immunocompromised, so that was one of his major health issues that he had. So we were on, like, it was me and my kids in my house for 15 months mm-hmm. with no contact with anyone else because it wasn't safe for him. And, uh, I learned a lot about, about myself and my kids during that time because we had nothing to do. And so we started working on all those life skills that I just really hadn't paid attention to or hadn't put, I didn't have the bandwidth to kind of dig into. So it became like using the stove and cooking and all kinds of things that I was always like, no, I'll go ahead and do that. You know? And then Gavin decided like midway through that he wants to move out on his own. And I thought, oh my God, like it never, and I've raised him since he was a year old. Uh, and, and I adopted him, I was like 12 years ago now, I think. Wow. And it, it was, it's always been Gavin and I, you know, so the idea of, and I just sort of resigned myself. That's the way it was going to be. I never thought it was possible to do anything else. And now, you know, he's done his job training. He's, he's got his first job. He's uh, doing day services and, and, you know, learning new skills and stuff and making friends. And, you know, once I think the job once he has experience with his job under his belt and he's got that sort of consistent like income and he's kind of Mm -hmm. doing okay with that, uh, then the next move is some type of independent living, whatever that looks like for him. And I just, I don't, I, it's hard to let go. Yeah. It's hard to let go. And this process navigating like the board of DD and like we have OOD in Ohio, it's opportunities for Ohioans with disabilities, which is what helps them with like career training and stuff like that. They don't want to work with me. They want to work with him, which is, I get it. But like, I'm largely out of the loop and I have to learn to step back 
and let him sort of take the wheel and, and, you know, kind of direct the course of his adult life. And for 23 years, you know, (laughs) everything filtered through me and now he's doing it on his own. And it kind of sounds similar to what you were experiencing, you know, on your end. And I was wondering, like, how, how has that been for you? It's a huge piece of this year. I, I refer to it as untethering. We had to really become specific about how we were going to untether from him. You know, I, looking back and hearing from other parents, I'm beginning to notice this is not an this is an unpleasant word, but I don't think it's an unpleasant experience. There's a bit of codependency between parent and diagnosed child yeah. that cropped up, and and how could it not? How right. could it not? I was his voice. For 19 years, I was, I spoke for everything. I introduced world to boy and boy to world. Mm-hmm. I was the intermediary for everything. And um, shortly before he, about four months before he started, you know, he left, I started to sort of put little tiny things in place just to begin that separation process. You know, he always waited for me. If I was out on my own for whatever reason, I pulled into our garage, we have an attached garage, and he would already have the door open waiting. Where were you? What did you do? Who did you see? Like very pleasant, but just always had his finger on the pulse of where I was. Mm -hmm. So I began to just say, you know, Jack, you don't need to wait for me. You can stay in the, I'll come in and then you'll say hello to me. And then we we're lucky because we have a lot of models. I'll say, do none of your brothers or your sister get up to see me. They wait until I come into the house. So just, just very small ways to get him to see himself as more freestanding. Right. You know, we call it moving from we to I, we had to disengage our frontal lobes. And um, so all different ways I tried to like increase his independence from me. Mm -hmm. Um, Once he got to his program, it became even more relevant because he flooded me, my husband also, but, but I would say more me texts, every thought in his brain, every piece of activity he was doing. And it frankly became way too much. Like I was flooded. There were moments I could have thrown my phone across the room. It could be 15, 20 times an hour. Oh, wow. And then he always wanted to call and do these check-ins. Let me check in. Let me check in. When I would reach my height of frustration, I had to remind myself, you know, there is a duality when it comes to our diagnosed kids. There is their physical version, Mm -hmm. 18, 19 year old Jack, six foot five. There is their emotional version. I would place him probably around 12, right? The inclination was to parent the younger version. That's what I did all those years. The younger, younger. Oh, that's too much soda, Jack. If you have another cookie, that's a lot. You really think that's a good idea? And it's been a major mind shift ever since we kind of had a big incident in our world about two months ago Mm -hmm. where Jack was persuaded to get into a car with two men. Um, It's been a big paradigm shift that we have to parent both because both exist just as firmly in him. Mm So uh, that sort of brought to mind what other, you know, what else can I do to begin him to get him to recognize new information and process it for himself without, like you said earlier, running it through me. Filtering it through you. Yeah. Filtering it. And, and I, I, I made that role for myself, you know. Let, oh, let yeah, me for sure. Yeah, I created I, it. I did the exact same thing. <laughs> yeah. And and but there's you know, we work with this educational coach. He's remarkable. Jordan. And I, I love to bring all, uh, let me back up and say, I didn't work with him when we found Jack's program. I wish I'd known him. I just didn't know him. So I did all of that legwork with research and phone calls and everything. But now I've connected with Jordan and I run every problem to him. Like my feet are on fire. Mm -hmm. And I said, not long ago, and this was so disruptive for me. Mm -hmm. And he's, I said, this is what I need, Jordan. I need like when Jack's like 28, 29, he, he can live in an apartment. It's okay but I'm going to need somebody to like check on him. Like is Jack home. He said he'd be home and he's not. And Jordan said, no, that's not what you need. The goal is to get him to the point where he won't need any of that. And I was like, I don't think you should be speaking to me that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like watch your mouth. Don't, don't. Yeah. Listen up, buddy. Yeah. I know. Right. We get very like, I know. Uh, yeah. You can't possibly understand what this is like. 
Yeah. And so, you know, Jordan likes to throw wrenches in my grand plans, but they're good. Growth is disruptive and he's not wrong. I can't forever have somebody keeping tabs on Jack. I hope, you know. Yeah. How? Oh, wow. I, I can. This is there's so many parallels. So I used to I used to lovingly refer to Gavin is is the big little brother. Because he's a 23-year-old man, full beard. Like, if you were to just see him walking around, you wouldn't think anything was different, right? Mm -hmm. But cognitively and emotionally, I, he used to be five or six. But I, I feel like he's, he's, he's made progress in that area. But maybe, maybe 10, 11, 12, something. So, so very similar. Mm. And, uh, you know, like, it... You're so right. And I never thought about it like that. You parent, there are almost two people living in one body. Yeah. And you, you tend to parent, like when he was younger, well, before we started doing like all the independent type planning, it was more, you were, it was like squeaky wheel, right? The, the younger version of him was a squeaky wheel. He needed that yeah. um, constant reminders, repetition, supervision, like all that kind of stuff. But there was still part of him that that was older, that wanted to do all the things that, you know, like now, like he wants to do all the things that a 23 year old can do. You know, he wants to he voted for the first time last year, which was amazing. Uh -huh. uh, you know, he he wants to do all the things that other people at his age do. He doesn't necessarily understand maybe kind of what everything is, but he knows that that's like, quote unquote, like the normal thing for people to do when they get to that age. And it's a really difficult balance. And you're absolutely right. You have to parent both of them. Yeah. And we've started some strategies just with language, you know, because we really ultimately want to bring that gap closer, right? Yeah. And yeah. Bridge a little bit. That's the goal. So Jack's made some mistakes at his program. I've, I've talked about them. He was written up for an, um, for a um, misconduct after he got deregulated. Uh, he's had some speed bumps. Mm -hmm. So whenever I see him embarking on another, what could be speed bump, my inclination is to be like, but don't you remember that didn't, no, no, that's not a good idea. We did that already. And now it's, how did that work out for you last time? Did what, what came, what came out of that when you tried that last time, just flexing that whole brain thinking you know, but even with my other kids, like, so I have a 20 year old, 19, 17, 15 and 14. Um, my 17 year old right now is he is he wants to spread his wings and yeah. he doesn't want to be kept track of. And I said I was going to practice and you just forgot. There's a lot of this like kind of rub this summer and I, yesterday. So this is how much parenting evolves every single day, as I know, you know, Rob. Yeah, oh yeah, yesterday. Instead of being like, you're going to be late to that practice and that's going to be a mess and whatever. I said, let me know how I can help you be more successful today. That was it. Wow. Yeah, it was hard. Yeah, it was hard work. I was driving to the gym at the time. The gym is also my like sort of safe. Right. Place, right. Oh, yeah. And and um, and that I'm stepping into that role of, of also with Jack. All right. Let me know how I can help you be successful. But I can't continue to be the boots on the ground guidance. I have to know that we instilled it in them. And another thing we use for Jack, which has been very helpful, you know, a lot of the world is nuanced, right? Communication yeah. and feedback is so nuanced. Very. So I'll just point out, wow, your teacher offered you, your professor offered you new information when you called her bro in the middle of the class and she <laughs> turned away and ignored you. That's new information, Jack. What does that new information tell you? She didn't like it. Yeah, she didn't like it. What are you going to do with that new information? I think I'll say I'm sorry next time. So just to get him to perceive that people are communicating, even when it's not this over in your face words. Those nonverbal. Yeah, the yeah. nonverbal. Yeah. That's, those are the things that my oldest struggles with too. And, you know, it's funny that you, you were talking about the, how you got to kind of step back and help them to work. It's like micromanaging, you know, yes. for a long time, we have to micromanage their life. Not because, well, I mean, sometimes it makes us feel better. I think because it's a safety 
thing. Like we know that they're safe. We know that we've sort of controlled the environment as much as possible so that they're as safe as they can possibly be. And other times it's just out of necessity because they just, uh, you just sometimes need things to work and, and micromanaging is, yeah, it's, it's, it's the only way to get things done sometimes. But like, uh, I was coming home last night. I was, I was out of town, so I had like a 20 minute drive and I was, my youngest had called me and was kind of upset because Gavin had, Gavin has to do these IVIG infusions twice a week. They're like donor immune system. So he, he infuses his body with this medication and it gives him an immune system until the next one. And he does it all on his own now. Like he puts the needles in, does, manages all of his own healthcare minus like the appointments and making decisions and stuff. But he does all the, the legwork on his own and he put off doing his infusion yesterday because he wanted to play the Xbox while he Mm. was doing it. And so instead of doing it, when he got home from day service, he put it off to the end of the night because he, he wanted to uh, play the Xbox when he, when he did it, it could take a few hours. So like, I get it, but it ended up creating problems with his brothers because they were using the TV at the time. And then, you know, so, so it kind of, I got a call from Emmett kind of complaining about it. So then I called Gavin and I talked to him and I just asked him, you know, what he was doing. And he kind of knew at that point that there was something going on and it was just talking through it. Like, okay, so this is a problem because of this. Like how, how did we get here? What, you know, like why, you know, why didn't we do this earlier today? Like, what were you thinking or what were you trying to accomplish? And then, you know, rather than getting upset and frustrated, he, he talked himself through it. And he's like, yeah, he's like, honestly, I was just wanting to make sure that I had the Xbox when I did this. And so I didn't prioritize this like I should. And, you know, you know, so like, so there's a lot of, there's a lot of energy and bandwidth that goes into helping them learn to navigate these just daily things. Yeah. And, and it's tough because like, he doesn't pick up on those nonverbal cues, you know? And, And so, uh, he's very therapized. So like he knows he's sort of conditioned to know what to say when, but not Mm. really why you say it or what it means. And, and so that's, that's kind of tough because people will assume that, you know, it's coming from a place of, it's not like he's not genuine. He's very genuine, but he just doesn't understand the social things. I understand. I mean, I mean, to some degree, Jack still scripts. Yeah. I'll hear him say something and I'll say, that didn't come from you. He'll script with politics. He takes things from pop culture he's heard. Um, yep. And I can, I mean, I know it Movie quotes or, or exactly. YouTube videos. I try to get him to dive deeper by saying, okay, hear what you said, but what does that mean to you? Mm-hmm. What does that word mean to you? What does that phrase mean to you? And try, like, we're always trying to raise critical thinkers and and for them to, like, my husband is a saying, don't say things you don't understand. Like, don't yeah. say words if you don't know what they mean. That can get you into some trouble. Yep. But I know exactly, I know Jack's very genuine, but he um, he fills in the gaps of his own communication by kind of borrowing from other people. So uh, one of the things that I wanted to ask you about a little bit too was this this program that that Jack is in. Can you kind of tell me about that a little bit? Because there are so many parents out there with kids in this transitional space in life and have mm-hmm. no idea what to do or, or how to help them gain independence. Maybe they don't think it's possible or they just don't, they don't know what's available out there. And I know it could be different from, you know, county to county or state to state, but I think this is a really interesting thing that you guys are doing. And it seems like it's been very positive. And I was just hoping we could kind of talk a little bit about that. Yeah, of course. That's probably my number one question lately from people is where did you find this? I don't I don't reveal the name outright. Right. I will tell you it's not in New Hampshire. It's about three hours from us. Um, and basically, when when uh, when Jack started his senior year, I just thought, what same thing? What's out there? Because all services were going to were stopping for us that May. Everything. He'd always been in some kind of program. Mm-hmm. And um, I became a little panicked at that idea. So I just, there's a great website and I'll send it to you and you can post it, but it's thinkcollege.net. 
And it has all ways to sort of dial down into what's important to you, what you're looking for. So for us, we wanted to be able to get to them within a day if we needed to. Mm -hmm. Um, There's, you can figure out what school, what programs, how much time Jack would spend with his peer population versus a neurotypical population. Because we learned that Jack doesn't only want to be around people with autism. He likes to be around a varied group of Mm -hmm. students. So that was one of the tabs, um, you know, cost, cost is significant. It's pretty consistent across the board. Um, and, and there was a couple other things that we looked at. Um, we found, so there are programs all over the country, but there, it's not nearly as many as like a neurotypical student right. has access to. We narrowed it down to three. One was in Connecticut. One was right outside of Boston. And then this third one. And within these programs, and I don't like to be negative. I just really think it's important to be realistic. There's very few spots in each one of them. Mm -hmm. So it was really like, wow, down to the wire. He got rejected from the first two. And then this was really always our favorite one. And he was accepted into this one. And we learned, I believe, in February that he got accepted. And to tell you a little bit about it. It's pretty new. Yeah. Yeah. And so to tell you about this program, he um, he moved in last July. There's, you know, there's staff there from 7 a.m. to 11 o'clock at night. There's a lot of scaffolding they do. They have social emotional coaching. They work with how to have healthy dating relationships, how to have a healthy relationship with your roommate. Um, there's nothing that they don't um, work with him on. Um, mm-hmm. Hygiene's never been an issue for Jack, and he doesn't have food aversions. Right now, we're working on technology. He's hugely addicted to his phone. It's even hard for me to verbalize, but it's true. He's addicted to his phone and to his Apple Watch. Like he checks it, it's almost a tick. He checks it over and over. So they've started to to talk about ways that he can break those um, fixations a little bit. So at this program, I mean, he's done more. He did more the first week there than he's ever done at home, Rob. Because Jack is a human that comes from a place of no. That's what we call it. Comes from a place of no. Do you want to go apple picking? No, no. Everything's no. Mm -hmm. There, within the first week, he rode a Ferris wheel at this huge, like, um, fair carnival. Wow. He got an Uber for himself to go try French fries. Wow. (laughs) Yeah, it, we were like, whoa, again, that inclination to be like, what is he doing? And then I, we looked at each other, Joe and I and were like, this is what we wanted. We wanted him to take some risks. We wanted him to stretch his wings a little bit. Um, and, and he did. He did all of that. You know, I would be remiss um, in talking about this program without talking about the cost because that's real. Yeah. The program alone is 80 grand a year. Just the program oh. doesn't include tuition for the classes he takes. I will say we went there for parents weekend, my husband and I, and it's, there's not a dollar wasted. It's not like, well, where's this money going? It is incredible staff, incredible people there just, just to say, Hey, let's all play a board game or tonight's movie night. What movie do you want? You know, let's bake something. Um, it's just the cost, the investment in him to hopefully in these next couple of years, bring him to kind of a new level of growth. I was able to go to our, uh, it's called vocational rehabilitation in the state of New Hampshire. Uh I was two phone calls away from being done. I was so fed up with chasing people, telling and retelling our story, making, you know, like trying to make a case. Like, this is a kid you want to invest in. Mm -hmm. My oldest son got $17,000 from his college simply for having a pulse. We don't even know how he got that money. Mm -hmm. Um, Colleges give out money like crazy. And, and finally they said, we'll give you $25,000 towards the residential piece and another 6,500 towards tuition. Okay. It was a huge, huge win for us and for our community, honestly. So uh, my, my advice to people is there are programs. Now, Jordan has a much thorough, more thorough understanding of all the programs and their nuances, because once you find on, on a website or other places, something that looks interesting to you, you still have to really make sure the real version matches the paper version because they don't always. Uh, yeah, that's a good point. That's a very good point. 
So that's another, that takes time too. Where I, I remember talking to Jordan, the first time I ever talked to him and I was like, you know, we kind of looked at Clemson, which is in the in South. Mm-hmm. It's too far from us anyway. And he said, I can tell you right off the bat, that's better for Down syndrome. That's better for like a certain profile of people that might not be the fit for Jack. So if you can hook up with some, him or someone like him that that's in contact with these colleges, these programs constantly and knows the ins and outs of them. I mean, that's, that to me is money well spent. What is, what is his like job title? Like what, what is he? He's actually, an go ahead. educational consultant. Oh, an educational consultant. Oh, yeah. oh, 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 okay. Yeah. yeah. I'm familiar with educational consultants. I didn't, I didn't realize, I didn't realize they, they did all that. That's, um, I'm you. or, or like outside of high school. Yeah. You know, you know, he starts working with kids as early as eighth grade to just kind of navigate high school, which man, could I have used that way back when? Right. And then, um, since he's come into my universe, he's been very helpful about being like, well, Carrie asks, you know, the program where Jack is to do X, Y, and C you're paying, ask them to help him out with this. He's kind of like a little bit of an advocate now. Mm -hmm. So that's, this is, this is super uh, interesting. Like, is this, is the goal of this program long-term or is it more of like a transitional to help him? Like you said, sort of narrow that gap between the two people that he is kind of, and, uh, help him to, uh, be more like independent, like on his own, I guess, if that makes sense. Yeah. The ultimate goal is independent living. Yeah. So this program, he could spend up to three years in this space, right? In this building where he lives, which he loves. And after that, they have a next, another level where he would live in his his own space, but has access to the programming. So he could eat there three times a week. He could do a few of the outings or, or participate in game night. He could stay in that program, I believe, three to four years. Okay. So that would get him to like close to 27 years old. Wow. And then, you know, I don't, I, I work hard not to catastrophize and think of the worst or imagine like, what then? You know, my husband keeps saying Jack's going to change a lot in the next five or six years because yeah. his frontal lobe is, is going to start reconstructing itself yeah. again. Yeah. You're, it's just natural development. If you had told me 10 years ago that, First of all, Gavin, I mean, Gavin had extreme behavioral problems. He developed mm-hmm. typically until he was four and then experienced a massive regression. And to the point where it was like, we grieved the loss of a child that was still there mm-hmm. because it was so profound that we had to kind of get to know him again, if that makes sense. And, you know, he was he, he, he became aggressive and there were all kinds of mental health issues. He was diagnosed as schizophrenic when he was younger, uh, hardcore medications because it was the only thing that would help him. And, you know, we, we were told that he wouldn't survive past his teens because of some of the health issues that he had and like, or to be prepared for him not to survive. So in my head, it was like, we're on borrowed time. Like you want to make the best of every moment you have and, and all that stuff. Uh, but he has, he has overcome everything. He's, he's off of every medication with the exception of his immune system stuff. He has never been more engaged with the world around him than he is now. And I don't know if you had told me even five years ago, this is where he would be. I would, I would not believe it. Not because Mm -hmm. I didn't believe in him. But just because it was so, the behaviors were so ingrained and it was something that I was so, uh, you're on that kind of like that, um, uh, you're always on edge waiting for the next shoe to drop, right? Because that's mm-hmm. just how it works in our lives. Like it's one catastrophe to the next, to the next, to the next, to the next. And, you know, you learn to, you know, life is full of these twists and turns and blind, you know, uh, corners and whatever. And, and a lot of times we learn to anticipate the most negative possible thing because that seems, it feels like what happens a lot. Right. But sometimes the most amazing things happen when you just keep pushing, right. You just keep moving forward. And it's amazing the amount of progress that our kids can make in a short amount of time. 
even when everyone else says it's not possible. And so like when you, when you said, when you're talking about, you know, five years from now, Jack's going to be a very different person than he is right now, or, or he'll have, he'll have gained skills and knowledge and experience that he doesn't have now. Right. And, and abilities and everything else. And it's hard to envision what those things are because we, we sort of live through the challenges and the worries that we have as parents today. But five years from now, my gosh, he could be doing anything. You know, he could be doing anything. Uh, yeah, look at the progress he's made in this short amount of time, and and all that progress builds, right? So it's not mm -hmm. like one-off things. It's he learns this, and then and then this builds into something like this, and it builds into something like this, and it's the same thing with Gavin. I mean, like we're before long, he's going to be in a similar position where he's moving out, and I don't I don't know what that's going to look like. I don't know what that's going to look like because I do think he he. At this point, he would need some type of supervision, like mm -hmm. someone just kind of dropping in just to make sure that everything is okay, whatever. Uh, but he's going to do it. Mm -hmm. And maybe by that time, he won't need it. I mean, like, it's just, it's incredible how, how far our kids can come. Yeah. And it's important what you said earlier, how you're living the day to day and you're a little stuck inside the behaviors, you're yeah. stuck inside that daily grind. We're in survival mode. Yep. And when you're in survival mode, you cannot dream of what's possible. You can't think of discovering and being curious and kind of opening up your mind. Mm -hmm. But if you can step outside of that survival mode just for a moment and realize the moment where you stand will not last forever. It never lasts forever. Yeah. And and there's sort of an awakening with that that comes. I had a reader um, send me a message and, and the words were so simple, but she said, I'm starting to think of a future for them. She has a few, a couple that are two, I think, that are diagnosed. And it wasn't a future made of fear. It wasn't a what, what now, a crystal ball. I need a crystal ball. It was like, I'm starting to be curious about what's possible. Instead of dreading. I think it's dreading. Yeah. And as autism parents, we're sort of like, the narrative is we dread we worry. There's nothing there. This will never get better. And and living through Jack's experiences and also seeing like Gavin's experiences just reaffirms for me that there is a lot possible. You know, one of the things I go back to this all the time, but uh, things get better, but we have to be open to what better means, right? Yes. Better doesn't always mean like no assistance is going to be needed or no supervision is going to be needed or we're not going to have any of the meltdowns or the challenges that we're facing today, but it could just be that you find a program that is a perfect fit and it allows him to be who he wants to be. And it makes you comfortable with the fact that he's, he's doing okay. And it's going to be, it's going to be okay. And, and we have to be open to what better means. Yes. I love that. And better and it doesn't even have to be germane to the person, to the diagnosed yeah. kiddo. It could be, I handled that better. I'm feeling better. My my husband and I are not fighting as much. Or yeah, the siblings are better. There's something and there's something to be said for looking for the small. I I remind myself that constantly. Look for something small. It's there. Part of the reason that I think our lives can be so challenging, outside of dealing with the diagnosis stuff, is that we have we only have so many resources available. Like we only have so much bandwidth to spend each day on all the things in our life. Better could just mean that there are other areas of your life that have improved enough that you have more bandwidth to spend yes. on him. And so it's less overwhelming. It's less stressful. You find yourself in a better position where you can, you know, come up with more creative outside of the box solutions to problems that, you know, before you just didn't have the ability to even begin to try and process in a way other than panic because that's, it's so much panic. There's so much anxiety. And, and we, we have a phrase in our house, are you resourced? And by that, Ooh, we mean, like it's that. just go back to the basics, right? So whenever I find my nervous system elevating, I'm not, I'm not part of a sober program, but I know they use this in sobriety. It's called halt. Am I hungry, angry, lonely, tired? Wow. And you just go through that checklist. And, and if you can solve one of them, by all means, do it. If you can't just sit in the knowledge that that's what you're experiencing. And, and so resourced in our house is absolutely is your, are you fed, watered and rested? <laughs> well, and it's sort of like, is it fact or feeling right? Like, right. Because so many times 
like when I experience and I struggle with anxiety, it's feeling it, it's not, it's not based in reality. It's not based on fact because the facts are, well, everything is like so much better than what it used to be. I really don't yeah. have anything to complain about, but I feel like <laughs> there's just this impending whatever, or, or the other shoe is going to drop and everything's going to fall apart. And, and that's a really good way to, are you resourced? I, I really, I really like that. That's a really good way yeah, to I, look at it. It's like reframing. I have a really specific non-autism related example. It's going to go in my book, but it's about my youngest. I, we had gone to see my daughter race. Uh, she does crew and she was doing it in Boston. Okay. It's about an hour and 20 minutes away. I did. I know you like to work out. I did a mm -hmm. very long run and then I didn't have time to eat before I'd make this drive into Boston. So we're standing on this bridge and under the sun. And my, my youngest was very unhappy. He was really like, I don't want to be here. And I'm just so poor, like, oh, you know, I, he said, can I go to the car? I said, yeah, go to, I don't care. Just go to walk to the car down the streets of Boston, no phone through a construction site while well, I lost him, Rob. And I couldn't find him. And I was in a pure panic, pure panic. And my 17 year old son was with me and he eventually located him at the boathouse. And looking back, all those chains of small, bad decisions that I made, sending him off, did, didn't even acknowledge he doesn't have a phone, didn't, um, whatever, was because I wasn't resourced. I was starving. I was tired. And mm -hmm. I was very thirsty. So like those little pieces of your world have to be in place for you to make good decisions. It's like self-care. I mean, absolutely. you have to be selfish before you can be selfless. Like we assign this stigma to the word selfish that is overtly negative all the time. But the reality is, and I've had to learn this the hard way. Like I, I went through probably the worst burnout phase in all of my parenting years last November. I hit, I just hit a wall and mm. you know, you can mask it for so long to where like you're doing okay. But like inside you're just like, don't even talk to me. Like you just can't, right. like you're just at that point where you just are done. And, uh, I, I, I realized that like, I really, I, I have to put into myself every day. And that's what the gym is for me. Like if I don't go to the gym, like, don't even talk to me today because like, <laughs> that is where I get my, my bandwidth. That's where I get my resources. And by making the time to do that, even if it's an inconvenience on the kids in the moment, it makes me a better parent for them the rest of the day. And then I Absolutely. can build on that, you know? And so like, for me, it helps with the ADHD too, like a big, in a big way. So it's like, it's just a necessity for me. Like I have mm -hmm. to plan my day and I, I do, I plan my day around going to the gym in the morning because if I don't, then I'm just not fun to be around. And I don't have the capacity to meet my kids needs in, in a meaningful way uh, because I'm just depleted. Right. You well, know? good for you for knowing that. I think not, I, I'm very similar, but my, I, I protect my gym time fiercely. Yeah. I protect other pieces of my, uh, my day fiercely also, but I have teenagers and it's they're They, they're a little more independent, yep. but, um, but that is number one, a priority for me. And, and I think if people, you know, it doesn't have to be the gym is what I'm saying. Right, it could be, be anything that lights you up inside yep. and makes you feel whole and good is, is worth protecting in my opinion. Absolutely. Absolutely. What do you think is the most important lesson that you have learned along the way that would be the most that would be beneficial to parents out there who are maybe not quite as far along the journey as you are to help them be better prepared or better navigated or you know mm. whatever that is a great question i mean one and um may not pertain to everybody but i did have a, a young mom say how did you make sure all your kids got enough attention oh. when everybody was little and jack was you know like uh, this void and i said and it came out like that. It was one of those things I didn't even think I just said, which I think are the best responses. Mm -hmm. I said, don't worry less about the attention your kids get and more about the attention your marriage gets. Yeah. And it was just instinctual. Now I know you're a single dad and my goodness, I honor you truly, Rob. I honor you for oh, the work you're you. doing because what, what a, what a weight you carry and you do it so gracefully. I can tell. Well, um, well thank you. <laughs> And, uh, and, and so that's, that's one, one thing. And, um, another thing that I'm writing a little bit about, cause I got another question from a mom, like, 
she had a little guy, I want to say he was four. And she said, I have an IEP meeting tomorrow. What should I ask for at the table? You know, what should I tell them? Like, I want this and I want that. And, and again, it was instinct. It was, it is not all about the IEP table. There was not one service or program or speech therapist that turned Jack's world around. You are essentially trying to raise a whole child, mm -hmm. one who knows how to pray if that's important to you, how to forgive, how to cheer someone up after a bad day, how to sign his name at the bottom of a form, mm -hmm. right? All of those things will help him blossom. So at the end of the day, for us, the school district played a much smaller role than people think. They were fantastic, but we didn't rely on them for everything. That's a really... Yeah, that's a really good, that's a really good point. That's a really good point. It, it seems counterintuitive to people to put other things ahead of their kids, but like ultimately it's the only way to make this sustainable because it's a marathon. It's not a race, right? Like we're, we're in this for the long run and you have to be able to make it work. And if you don't prioritize your own health, well-being, mental health, everything, and you, and if you're married, you know, you don't uh, prioritize your marriage then you're not going to have the resources and that, uh, you know, bandwidth or, or whatever to, to be the best version or the best team for your kids, you know? And, and if you're co-parenting, like you're divorced and you're co-parenting, then prioritize that relationship with the other parents so that you guys are on the same page and you're working together rather than, you know, having whatever happens a lot of times when, when parents split up. But uh, that's such good advice. That is really, really good advice. Well, thank you. It has been great, great to connect with you. I hope I can come back and do this again soon. Anytime. And when you're, when, when is your book coming out? Well, I'm submitting the first, the, the draft in a couple of weeks. So I would say it'll be May. Wow. That's what we're, yeah, it's exciting. It's exciting. Um, what is the best way for people to connect with you? If they want to follow you or find you? Yeah, my Facebook page is What Color is Monday, but you can also look me up under Carrie, Carrie Yellow. Instagram is Carrie underscore Carrie Yellow, mm -hmm. and my website is CarrieCarrieYellow.com. I do post a new blog every Monday. I've done it for 10 years. Um, so every wow. Monday morning, one goes up, which is neat. It's a real look at, like a look, a relevant look at, at our space and, and family because it's real time. What I'm writing is real time. And, um, Wow. Yeah, reach out. I, I love to connect to readers. I answer just about every message I get. And so I love it. Well, thank you so much for your time. I'll have all that information uh, in the show notes. Thank you so much. Thank you. Real quick, before I let you go, I just want to say thank you for tuning in. I, I really appreciate it. And I hope you enjoyed this episode and it has a positive impact on your life because that's what I'm aiming for here. As a reminder, you can visit listen.theautismdent.com. You can learn about me and anything related to the show. You can subscribe on any one of your favorite podcast listening apps so you never miss a new episode. And please take a moment and rate us on Apple Podcasts. There'll be a link in the show notes below for you just to click. It'll take you right there. It takes like 30 seconds and it makes a big difference. So it's a great way to support the show and uh, help keep the wheels turning. So have a great week and we'll talk soon.